No idea. Uh, there were a hundred of them, and as I said, the only reason I showed it to you is because it's part conjecture and done is the wild card because Midan Vad Sheva is the problem. Uh, yeah, and the raya is that it's right here in front of you on top of Yehuda, and the raya is that it's way up north, as in Midan Vad Sheva. And some suggest, I have another one here, which I didn't copy, where there's Don number one and Don number two. So that's the easiest answer. The question is, is it true? But it's a little hard to get out of. And of course, you'll notice on the left side of the one in front of you, you have a white area called Plishnim, which we were discussing last week. It's supposed to be part of Eitz Yisrael, Midaresa, and apparently they had a little bit of trouble conquering it and holding it, although eventually they will hold it, at least for a time. You'll also notice that Shimon, this is L'Chaladeh, Shimon is almost a subset of Yehuda. And he, for most of his border, is surrounded by Yehuda, a little bit depleted him, and right underneath Edom. And Edom is important for last week's parasha, and we're going to speak about it in Mitzvah Shem next week as well. Uh, Edom HaSeir was outside of Eretz Yisrael, but right outside. And we discussed a little bit last week, doesn't mean you're fighting in Haresa, because why would you be standing in Haretzian? They're two different places. Uh, so it means to bring them to justice, and we'll Hashem, elaborate on that as well next week. No, it's right here. Right below. Jordan, Jordan will be the other side. Don't give them more territory than they already grabbed. Wouldn't be a good idea. Okay, take a look at the Ramban in the next set. Uh, for anybody following along, the Marmachim is now for the Navi Shir. will be available in the same place, a different link? We're not sure yet. Uh, maybe let, let me know. We'll let, we'll let you know, the listeners. Uh, but we will have a lot of Marmachim as we had already. It's all there somewhere. We'll let you know. Uh, if um, You've been moving them over, right? Sort of. Different folders. Different folders. Okay, so this should be the same link. Ah, okay, so we'll, uh, we'll let them know. Take a look at the Ramban in front of you. The next part, which is the difficult part of this sugya as Americans, which I always remind everybody we are, whether we are or not, whether you're happy listening in the UK or anywhere else in the world. The UK would look at us, I don't know if they still do, we're supposed to be close allies, but we sort of, we're not following Dina Mechusadina. It's illegal to throw tea into the harbor and not pay tax. Is that what they were doing? Or just the throwing tea in the harbor was just a protest. But we weren't paying tax. We claimed no taxation without representation. Is that, uh, do I remember that correctly? So we rebelled. And we sort of took over their land. We're going to have many examples of this. This hopefully is the most benign, although if you were British then, you didn't think it was so benign. But they held it was our country. What? It wasn't their land. Oh, well, that's what we're going to get to. <laughs> well, British held it was theirs, and we were taken away from them. And the Indians held it was theirs, and we took it away from them. And then the Spanish had something to say, Mexicans had something to say, and everybody has something to say. And today the liberals have something to say. Liberals 
aren't always wrong on every subject. Just even if they're right, they might be a little bit jaded in what the agenda is. And all that's going to be no gay over here. So we have to, some of this is surprising and it's not the way we think. So like anything else, especially a hashkafa that doesn't come natural, there's no preordained hashkafa. Preordained is the wrong word over here. It is preordained. Uh, there's no uh, predilection. There's no natia based on emotion that we should have and then try to fit our kroma hashkafa sachayim into the Torah. You have to see what the Torah says and what the Gzeyazikasev is, and what Ratzon Hashem is, and then fit that back into our Hashkaf Sachaim. And that's a big challenge for many people in life, because we all have our Nagiyas, and we're trying to figure out, well, it doesn't sit well with me, and I don't really understand it, and therefore, must be a different shot over here. And that's dangerous, especially in Navi and in Chumash. So, the basics are, as we know, there's Machamis Mitzvah. Mechamah's mitzvah is either defensive in nature, I think that hopefully still everybody would understand, naturally, and then there's Mechamah's Amalek, which not everybody's going to understand unless you know a lot about Amalek, and then there's Kiva Sheretz Yisrael, which most of the world claims they don't understand. So we have to be careful not to fall into that trap. It's a relatively small piece of land, and the Umas were given very, very large swaths of the globe like 99% of it. And the um, cousins we have, various Shmaelite and all the other people that are either part of the region, became part of the region, pushed themselves into the region. But uh, indigenous is a very difficult word to define. And they claim, no, no, there has to be Dafka over here, even though historically it's pretty clear that they were always ruled by somebody else and wasn't really their land in the first place. Uh, I think that that doesn't need much of an introduction. Akash Baruch who said that it's being given. We discussed it three weeks ago here in the Shir, the first Rashi and Chumish, and the subsequent Chazals that Hashem gave it to Klai Yisrael, promised it to Klai Yisrael, and brought them there after Yitzit Yisrael. Then there's Mechemes Rashus, which is, according to everyone, an option for Klai Yisrael, Machlekes, and Yitzit Yisrael, Sefer, which we discussed whether it's an option for the Umas Ailum, hence the Nafkamina for the American Indians, or the pretty big Nafkamina. Do they have the right to do it Lachatila, or is it only Bidyevit Chal? Everybody holds Bidyevit as Chal because that's the Sudyan Git, and there is something called Kivish Muhammad. Whenever, so we're not going to focus right now on the Umas Ailum, whether what they did was correct or incorrect, and I think at this point, if it was incorrect, uh, are we paying reparations, we're giving things back, we have done in this country something toward that. Many say, too little, too late, you can't repair it. Many say, we can repair it, we should be doing more. I think that there are probably people who have written pieces to claim that we should give it all back and elect the next President of the United States, uh, somebody who is naturally an American Indian, not somebody who claims to be from the American Indians. Be careful with that statement. Uh, but that would fit in with the general Hashkaf Sachayim. If it's Yevit Eschal, it's a little hard to claim that practically we should give it all back to, to a people who are a very, very small percentage of the population, especially in a democracy where it goes based on Roy. Even as it is, uh, the white Americans, I'm not saying they're right, would claim that uh, we're already electing people who are not natural to the, uh, the area and uh, don't really represent the American people. The demographics seem to be, if not now, but soon, 
seem to be that, no, the minorities who are being elected are the new America. And uh, what's our stance on that? Uh, we're certainly not on the side of any white supremacists because they don't like the other minorities either, including Jews. And I don't think we should be taking a stand either way because it's not our country. So we uh, strive to be good citizens and loyal citizens, but we shouldn't be getting involved in things like that and try to be nice to everybody and on everybody's side so there re remains uh, shalom with the, uh, with the host environment. We're going to focus now on this Ramban on what the mitzvah is, both by, according to this Ramban, Mechemes Hashus and Mechemes Mitzvah, and that is the unique mitzvah, the race of Kriya Shalom. Kriya Shalom in battle is counterintuitive. First rule of battle is don't tell them you're coming. In the ancient world, that wasn't really the way they operated. Don't tell them you're coming. They used to, it sounds funny to us whenever you described it, they actually used to line up for days and just sit there and organize their troops and reorganize their troops. And uh, some... Some armies, it's hard to imagine why, actually dress them in bright red coats. I'm not here to get the British here. This is not a uh, uh, point to remarks, but you would think it's a little strange if you dress up in bright red coats, they might be able to stay camouflaged and shoot at you, which not only could happen, but that, indeed that is what happened. As a matter of fact, that's why we're sitting here and giving sheer in a different accent. Uh, <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be speaking slightly differently. Maybe English would be better. But haladavrahu, why would you line up and tell them when you're coming and make noise and play drums and have bright red coats? We're so used to, it's a relatively recent phenomenon, this concept of guerrilla warfare and sneak attacks. And it used to be looked at from 99% of our history, it used to be looked at as very uh, cowardly. What kind of man are you? You want to fight, come out and fight. And they would challenge each other to a duel, one-on-one, -on -one, and then countries would challenge each other to duels, but it was a 10,000 against 10,000, yes? Yeah, yeah, the Jews thought about a long, long time, but that's like everything. The shopping malls, it took them another 2,000 years to figure out also, even though Yaakov Inu invented it in this week's parasha. Right. Uh, it, from what I remember, you could, you could look at it, you probably have an article on somewhere, but I think from the Civil War, uh, it got even more popular. If the Redcoats didn't figure out after a couple of battles that they lost that this isn't working, why did they change their strategy? They felt that it didn't, uh, wasn't becoming of the great British Empire to fight some riffraff and not be proud of it. And that was fine with us because it worked. So it did, didn't sound like they, that was option B that they slid into so quickly, but it gained popularity. But yes, the fact that Yidin did it, uh, we were always very practical. And when it was Robin Biad Ma'atin, even though, even after all their wonderful strategy and thinking through, it was a nace. And that's why we celebrate Hanukkah coming up. So I'm glad you mentioned it. So yes, it was, it was a nace, no matter how you say it over, but you have to do some established, and it was Rabbi Yamatin, so they didn't have much of an army, and they couldn't really attack them in broad daylight. And as they got stronger and stronger, then it became a Havamina, and the lineup still looked ridiculously favored on the side of the Greeks, that is. And uh, they themselves admitted that. They, if you look at Megillus Chashmanayim, not part of Sifri Kedish, but 
very telling in the historical account, even months and years into the battles, they had some battles they lined up and the people on our side got tremendous years. They just looked at the, even as they lined up, they had 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, they looked at the Greeks, kept coming a seemingly limitless supply of people and it looked very fair. And Yehuda had to keep giving them chizik and uh, davening and fasting and went to battle fasting. That's what Hanukkah is about. That's, that's an ace aspect. So, what I was getting to, to just give you this uh, familiarity with uh, the regular lineup, we wouldn't think it's Kedai to dress up and let them know, but that's what they did. And even if they're doing that, you wouldn't think that you should be Kairi L'Shalom if you already decided to attack whoever you're attacking. So attack. If you want to line up, line up. If you want to wear a nice uniform, wear a nice uniform. Why should you be Kairi L'Shalom? And there's a chiv d'araisa to be kairi l'sholem. You can't just attack. You have to sue for peace in a serious way. And the conditions, which we'll discuss, of surrender are there, but you have to ask for it. You can't have a sneak attack, and you can't just attack them even if you let them know without giving them some choices. And then the other din, you have to leave one side of the city open when you lay siege. Now, by definition, laying siege is all four sides. How else can you call it a siege? So the terrorist says, not so. Hashem says, lay siege, leave a little part in the back. Why is that? Humanitarian reasons, some suggest, is that the never that people who are starving is that they want to leave, let them leave, there'll be less enemy combatants, just let them leave. And others say that we encourage them to leave to forget the fact that they are hungry or not hungry because you want less enemy combatants. So if you leave and there's a trickle and the trickle becomes a flow, then it'll be easy to conquer the city. And both reasons are true, but most people who laid siege to cities didn't do that. The Romans, when they did it to us, didn't leave us any room to run. It was a stranglehold. So the humanitarian aspect of this is certainly true. Basically, the terror is saying, when you fight a war, fight it in the most humane way possible, which is light years ahead of the Geneva Convention. Because... Everything is light years ahead because we have the Torah and the Torah gives us the uh, rules and regulations how to live even when things get nasty. So let's see the Ramban. Ramban says, a chiddish within this din, so Ramban holds, even by a mechemes mitzvah, it applies. You would say, mechemes mitzvah, I've got to be kare l'shalom. The Torah says, I've got to fight a mother, I've got to fight for to stroll. Why should I be kare l'shalom? It's the chiv the race to do this. The answer is, you still have to conquer it, but Give them a chance to not fight. That will save everybody time and lives and misery. And the surrender is uh, important for them and important for you. It could be a tremendous advantage and a lot more peaceful. Even Interesting, Raya. We don't look at the battle of Sichon and Oig as part of Kivush Aretz, but Ramban just said that. The Haschala of Kivush Aretz the gatekeepers, literally, were Sichar and So the Haschala of the war of the Zion Amim was Kivush, and Moshe Rabbeinu did just that. He was Kairi L'Shalem. He said, I'm not here to fight you, and we're going to either walk around or we're going to come and buy lemonade and go to your 7-Elevens. And whatever he told the people as he's walking by, he said, we're not here to fight you, which he wasn't, because they weren't actually in Eretz Yisrael yet, even though that was the beginning of it. What was that? Yeah, he's saying it's a chiv. No, he's saying it's a chiv. It's also practical. It's a, it, there, there are reasons the Darish time had crawled behind this, but 
the Ramban is saying this is part of the Kivush, and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu was just applying the Dindaraisa. That's the Kiddush. We don't look at it like that. What? So believe it or not, yeah, yeah, so believe it or not, the Rambam, which we will see. Yep. Ramban says they could do tshuva. The Ravid argues. But the Shaila, and then the first from explain is that really, I think it's the Ramban Ravid, but yes, the, it's surprising. Uh, that's why we're starting with this. Shaftim is all about the continuing of the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. So we have to know these dinim, even though three quarters of it was done in Yeshua, we have plenty to go. And yes, Rambam will hold even Amalek. Obviously, the Zachiyev after you carry the Shalom, and they say no, Roy with an olive, then the Zachiyev, a Hachri Tachimim, and the Zachiyev Kalon Shama, an Ase and a Lesase. Aval Hefresh Ebeneem, Kasher Lasashlem, Vasamachama. The difference will be, the practical difference will be, when they don't make Shalom and they fight, which the Pusik will say, and Ramban's going to quote, everybody did except for Gergashi who left to Africa. And then the Gavainim, who decided at the last minute they were scared and they wanted to make Shalom, but they didn't realize they could still make Shalom. And therefore, they tried to trick them, which they did. And they made a Shavuah, we'll get to all that. And they weren't technically bound to keep the Shavuah, but they did it, Mitam Kiddush Hashem. Shetziva Kasa, Berachaykez Lachas, is called Zechirah, Lachis, Lamanoshem, Vatap, Ischarm. When it comes to the outlying areas outside of Eretz Yisrael, where you're conquering more areas, then you need to apidin. But it's mutter, that's Mohammed Sashus, Mohammed Syria. There, even when they don't accept the peace offer, you have no mandate to get rid of everybody. There's no Los Khaikalashama, it's only the enemy combatants. Lachasyam Noshimvahataf Bizharim and to save the children, including the male children and the women. Unless they're carrying guns and hand grenades, in which case you don't. But that wasn't done then. And the major theme in the beginning of Shaftim will be that they found this mitzvah difficult because we're not natural fighters and they kept a lot of people around even though they didn't really accept the terms of peace. They had them paying a little taxes but they didn't really have to keep the Zion mitzvahs which they weren't doing because they are still doing a little Zara and then they're around and then they're a bad influence which is why the Zechiyev of Hachem Tachrimim and Lezachai Konoshama. As the leader and commander in chief, he not only was making this when he got in, was at the doorstep, but he started sending letters, emails beforehand. Which is always uh, some good Latin thrown in if you ever want to pick up any Latin. It means uh, a message in real facts. And he started the midbar and he repeated it. Not looking for war, not looking to kill anybody. Anybody who wants to make shalom can come do that. Whoever wants to leave and they want to avoid the whole thing, it's got a big continent right below called Africa. Nice place. Try to avoid Uganda. Everything else is very nice. And. Um, Uganda was nice once upon a time also, and have a nice life. Which Gergashi did, and they lived happily ever after, or as unhappily as they were living in Eretz Canaan. But that's not really the concern over here. It doesn't say they did tshuva, they were pashas of Devarazar and continued to be in Africa as well. 
and if option A and option B is not really on your agenda, so then be prepared for war. We just mentioned, next page on the flip side. Remember, the Givainim in Yeshua dressed up as uh, people who just marched in from who knows where, China, with, uh, they went to a perm store and they bought tattered clothing. They told the guy at the desk, you know, give us the clothing to make us look like we're from Mongolia, wherever we're from. And they actually got some moldy bread that they probably didn't have to buy. They just, that happens naturally. And walked in speaking some ostensibly foreign language. And they pretend like they just bumped into clay. So, oh, Shalom Aleichem, where are you from? So, we're from Mitzrayim, we're here to conquer the land. Where are you from? Mongolia. What's the din? So there's no Lo Sechayi Kanashama on Mongolians. Now, why there shouldn't be Lo Sechayi Kanashama is a good shayla. Because the whole reason, again, for time of the crow is because Hashem doesn't want people doing Avodah living next to you in the next village in the same village. So why wouldn't it apply? So part and parcel of what the deal was is the same deal they would have extended to somebody else. The Givanim should have done it honestly and just said, we're from here and we want to make the original deal. But they thought the offer wasn't on the table anymore. So they figured if we're from far off and there's no, we're not one of the Zion Amamim, so already the deal is going to be easier to strike because we're not that much better perhaps in our private lives than the Zion Amim, but we're not the Zion Amim, so right away we're not that cross here, so to speak. So they dressed up and talked the talk, and then after they made the deal, they got rid of their moldy bread and tattered clothing and said, uh, we're really who we're not claiming to be, and we're from the Zion Amim. So technically, they're not hired to keep this deal. It was a total mekotos. But they didn't want to be condemned by the UN more than they were being condemned already for taking over Eretz Yisrael. And Memela, Tom Kishem, they kept the deal, which the Ramam is going to spell out as well, even at greater length. So what was the deal? The deal was, the original deal was they're not going to hurt them, but I would imagine they told them, if you want to stay here, you can't do a Vodazar. Maybe they said, we're not here for long, we're just passing through, which is sort of what they said in the first place. After they found out who they were, they made them into uh, second-class citizens. They really should have killed them just for the ruse. Uh, but they made them servants of the Levium, actually, the Kayanim, for the... For the Mishkan, which was a nice job, and they gave him Parnosa. So I say second class is that they were Avadim, but they weren't Stam Avadim. They were here to service the most Heluga portion of Klai Yisrael, which had they done right and improved on their Midas, they could have uh, taken a nicer role in Klai Yisrael. They didn't. In the time of Shaul, they showed their true colors and really presented uh, some horrible Midas of Azorius to. Klaeson, David Amelach, renewed the Gzeira not to marry them, and we'll get to that uh, in due time. Lamaisa, again the top line. And then the 31 kings of the city states who ruled out Yisrael ultimately lost uh, to Yeshua, and the aftermath, Aaron Shoftim, Vekach, Amar Kasabakulam. Who tricked their way in? As we saw the Psukim in Yeshua, we saw this two weeks ago. They would have been better off not fighting, and all the facts on the ground supported the fact that they're not going to win this battle. And they came to fight anyway, and that was the hardening of their heart 
as what was done to Pyro, in order to get them destroyed because Akash Baruch Hu didn't want them staying around because they would just cause trouble and Klai Yisrael would assimilate. And they would just uh, spread their Avodazar. But the deek in the Pasuk is that if in all sincerity they'd want to make peace and really keep the Zion Mitzvahs and pay taxes and know their place, they had the option to do so. That's number one. Go to page three. I saw a hand up before. Hashibud. So what's the deal? The deal is to keep Zion Mitzvahs, to pay taxes, part of the Shibud. Take a look three lines down on page three. So I mentioned the Gevainim. The Gevainim had this particular job. They were all concentrated in one place by the Levim and the Kainim. What was true about anybody else who would have made peace, there was nobody else. So Ramban's given this example is that they're here for service of the people. Contrasting the unfortunate souls who were put in chains and brought here in ships after them died along the way uh, from Africa to America, the slaves here, more often than not, were not treated very nicely. Some of them were. Some of them were not only not treated nicely, but tortured. And the slave trade is not something anybody should be proud of. I can only say this as my credentials as not being a card-carrying liberal, as you know. And Avdus and Chumish is misunderstood because we have these preconceived notions that I started the share with, that anything that looks trafe in society now, we take our skewed view and then try to put it back in the Chumish. It's very clear that there is a concept of Avdus, there is an Avakanani, it's also very clear you have to treat him very, very nicely, and there are Dinim and Knossos and all sorts of ancient if somebody takes out his bad day in the office on his Evid and he hurts him. Those laws didn't exist in the South. That was the problem. And uh, it economically wasn't wise to torture your Avadim because they're not healthy, you're not going to have cotton on the plantation, but that's not a reason to, to treat somebody nicely because Lamaisa, we're talking about human beings over here and you can't uh, torture people and make people's lives miserable. With that said, over here, the Ramban refers to something that is not exactly regular avdus because it says over here, you can ask them to come for the day, That's not even Evakanani. Evakanani, if you bought you bought, and you have an Evid, you got to feed him, you got to treat him nicely. And so he's getting his pay. His pay is a room and board, and a member of the family, treat him nicely. And it's Chayva Mitzvah Kisha. You can't keep him around unless he's Makabal Mitzvah and he's an Evid of Azar. So you have somebody who's really from, and Chayva Mitzvah Kisha. So, of course, you can't mistreat them. Over here, we're not taking anybody into the family over here. These are people who are allowed to stay because they're keeping Zion Mitzvahs. And they're for hire, but you've got to pay them. You've got to pay them the going rate. Similar to if you need help, I'm not discussing the legalities of this or lack thereof, but uh, if you've ever been doing work and you need some extra hands, um, many people go to some street corner and there are people waiting for work and we want to help the economy and they ask a few of them, do you want to come for the day? And we'll pay you. That's my simchalyeh. Whether it's legal to take people who are here illegally is a different story. We're not discussing that now. But that seems to be the meaning. It seems to be the meaning um, not only among didn't among the general society. And there were politicians who have um, 
household help who, when they find out about it, don't remain politicians because there has to be some law and order. I don't remember. <laughs> it was a while ago that might have said, but uh, I remember who it was. Uh, but, okay, it's illegal, so you can't uh, run for president if you have uh, domestic help that's not here legally. Uh, maybe in some parties you can now, but that was a while back. Uh, maybe in some parties that would get you the presidency, but I'm talking about many years ago. So we're not discussing that part. Lamaisa, they're eager to work, and you have to pay them. So Amban says you have to pay them. You can't mistreat them. That's poshit, and you have to pay them. So that's not regular avdus, even in the halachic sense. That was a project that involved hundreds of thousands of people. And he used, took a lot of people and paid them. And they were moving massive amount of wood and stone. And, but he paid them. And the problem is, and we're going to get to this Pusik, shaped him, Barak Aleph, that Klai Yisrael didn't do this mitzvah right because fighting wars and getting the people out is difficult. And I'm sure there were some people who felt, I don't know, I don't understand the reason, I'm going to just leave them alone, you know, which is not the right way to approach any mitzvah, putting your emotions in. And to be Mekayim this din, so they thought. In their mind, they said, well, the Pusik says if they stay, we could charge them tax. That wasn't the whole deal. They have to keep Zion mitzvahs. If they're still doing a Zara, you cannot keep them unless Lezachai go to Shaman. That was a problem. And the Pusik here, these quotings are pointing the problem. What they thought they accomplished was that they gave him Lamas. So what is Lamas? So Lamas, the Ramban says, was not what he just described, that they're here and they have to follow orders and they have to understand the place in society and they have to understand that it's not their country. They left entire villages and cities intact for a long, long time throughout Shreftim. And this is the main problem in Shreftim. And yes, they collected taxes, but Ramban says the people paying those taxes in the village were sort of like paying it because they knew there's an army that's stronger, the Yidden, and they want to stay there, so they just paid them a sheikh at Bakshish, here, here's a flat rate, leave us alone. You understand the difference over here? And they left them alone. They figured, okay, we Yetzi, as told us, we had, they have to pay taxes, so we Yetzi. They weren't Yetzi. That wasn't the original idea. And there's still Mokhiv, unless the Chayyikan Hashama. And that's going to be, the Ramban's alluding to the underlying problem, which uh, we will discuss when we get to the Pasuk. The fact is they can't refuse and they can't say, I'm sorry, I'm a computer programmer. I don't cut wood. They didn't have land. So they, they, they Who didn't have land? The, the they, they well, the, the problem became that, unfortunately, they did. The but land they, they were living on, they, they weren't were supposed to. Was, 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 so, so they had no other means of supporting themselves. It was an agricultural society, yes, and they didn't have computer programmers. Is that what you're insinuating? Is that what you're accusing? That they didn't, high tech didn't come yet to Tel Aviv. Uh, okay, so they were more than happy. You're saying they're more than happy to take the job. Yeah, but just interesting. Aban goes out of his way. He's discussing Lamas Ovid. So you're already thinking in your mind Ovid Abdus. Aban says no. You can insist that they come, and this is the job for the next three weeks. A contractor, or for the next day, whatever it was. But you got to pay them. The Ramban alludes to the, the Pusiks. We're going to get there. The Pusik says that they sort of took a lump sum from the government of the village next door. But they never insisted that the Makabal Zion, they were still doing Avodah Zarah in a very big way and all the other things they were doing in their Averis. 
uh, Gilead Reyes, and uh, I feel like they were any kind of, they just themselves. Yeah, they, that's what his muscle is. It's like a bakshish, like a sheikhed that somebody gives to an army that's coming, and you want to not know from them, and you say, look, how much does it take to, to go, make this go away? So that's really what happened. The question is, they would become Gertoshev, Gertoshev, if they register, yes. And, and Gertoshev is a very complicated, we probably will be talking about it sooner or later, but a real Gertoshev, which we can't be macabre today, has a din that you, has many din, but has a din you can't use him as a Shabbos guy. So just picture, had everything gone right and the few that are staying, the few could be a couple hundred thousand. Could be, that's how many people are macabre. If they're really a Gertoshev, they register, we're keeping all the Zion mitzvahs, and we understand whose land this is, we're happy to stay, we like the neighbors, real estate goes up, nice people, and there are people who think like that, rightfully so. You can't ask them to do anything on Shabbos, even Bamaka mitzvah, shvuz to shvuz, because the Pasuk says quite clearly, you say it in Kiddush, depending how long your preamble is, Kiddush by day. Some people have a very short preamble. But the uh, Gertoshev has a din, he doesn't have to keep Shabbos, but you can't ask him uh, so quickly to be your Shabbos guy. It's a complicated sugi, but yes, the, the Gertosh of uh, has a place in theory. How many there were over time? Not sure, but it doesn't look like that many. But when the offer for peace was, would, that means you're only here if you're a Gertosh? We don't want people here doing a Vodazar. There's still a bit of a gap between somebody who is promising not to do a Vodazar versus actually registering to be a Gertosh has to actually register and based in with other deal to go along. So not, not so partial. So they will there is a possibility, yes. This is going to be very Nagea, by the way. Lots of love. It's, it's being you know, debated now, uh, just in the, even the not yet from understand that politically it's important to keep it Jewish, the country in general. They don't exactly know what that means. The law of return, I believe, does not necessitate the mother being Jewish, which means they're not Jewish. Somebody told me even one quarter or something yeah, like that. One quarter even, yeah. Mother, yeah. yeah, father for sure, and I think so, which means they're not really doing the job, but they understand there has to be some flavor because otherwise we're mamish kechadamim, which is unfortunately what they want to do, but they can't tell the world that because then what's the excuse to have uh, a separate Medina? That's an inherent problem. If you're not from, then what's your claim in the first place, which we spoke about. But yes, they, uh, they understand that they still want to control what's going on. And for immigration, they're trying to be tough as they're, they're constantly being overrun by uh, a lot of people who uh, brings in crime, undesirables, and uh, certain places in Tel Aviv you can't go because of that. And they want to keep the flavor of the country Jewish for their own political reasons. We have a lot of reasons for doing that. And that's what this mitzvah is all about. Uh, it's your land, and uh, you can invite them to Uganda. But if they're not behaving and doing Avodah we don't want them here. So that's the Ramban. We will see Mr. Shem next week. The Ramam goes through this as well. We'll give us some more details. Let's go to the Peleyates in the meanwhile. Yes, yeah, so uh, we'll, uh, if, you, if you remind me, we'll, uh, yeah, Get Teshev is, is a very complex, uh, complex topic. And it's, it's a status which was, I believe, historically probably never used that much, and that's why it's not so... Uh, Making the shadows go safe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, so it depends on who does. His own is doing it for us. You know, you can have a, you can have a behemoth, a cow, that doesn't have to keep Shabbos himself. He can graze. 
but you can't use it. So it's not necessarily a theory. Okay, we're on page Mamma Gimel. We started on no, which fits very well. How not to treat people. And uh, the issue to mistreat people, both in emotion and bodily harm and financially, which is uh, the most common of them all because you could try to cheat Rahman and you didn't touch him, you didn't harm him, and you didn't insult him. Because he doesn't know. You're hoping he doesn't find out. But you ripped him off, as they say in the vernacular. And that's what Ono is all about. In the second paragraph in, in the entry of Ono, the third paragraph on the page, means not mutter. So no is always one of two things. It's either you're not polishing the apples, rotten apples, to trick him on the freshness or lack thereof of the item. Uh, you're charging five times the price, more than a sixth. That's one common scenario. You're just ripping him off. I had the um, good fortune to be reminded how precarious the situation is. We have, I don't accuse them all of um, being bad. I'll come across as a racist, of course. But we have certain elements within society in Eitz Yisrael uh, that are, again, either distantly related via cousins or the like, the cousins of cousins, or some other people. It's unclear who the Ishmaelites are and who else moved into the region. So the messed everybody up. So. But let's call them uh, distant cousins who are supposed to be trying to get along. Somebody told me that, I don't know if this is, uh, it would fit, I don't know if somebody made this up because of the metzius of what's going on, but they said that the uh, Mossad and other agencies, the CIA, don't even bother using lie detector tests because they would all pass. Whether that's true or not, or apocryphal, I don't know. But I witnessed it. It's decades and decades, and it has nothing to do with the state of Israel even. It's probably just a way of life when you run a kingdom based on the fact that you have to bribe everybody from the janitor up to the sultan before you even get an appointment, and you have to lie your way in, cheat your way in. The whole world is like this, but this was known in the Ottoman Empire. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you could tell me what's the average uh, range of the rate of a monit from the... Kaisel to Arze? Yeah. It depends on who you ask. Okay, well, uh, but give, give, me a, give me a number. Just give me a 40 shekel? Yeah. 50? Okay. okay. So I knew that. I, um, I didn't check again because I didn't plan on taking a taxi. Certainly not one from the Ishmaelite kingdom. Uh, I actually walked there because it's Dalar Amazon and Israel, and it takes me 15 minutes from Madeira, and I had a nice walk on the way there. The good news is on the way back, it was raining cats and dogs. Uh, beautiful. Everybody was dancing, and it was, uh, it's nice to see. When it rains over here, we're all grumbling and complaining. Uh, everybody was smiling. It was the first... Uh, they remember in Eitz Yisrael, the guy could tell you how many rains they had. So it was pouring um, when I came out of the Kaisal after being there for a couple hours. It was really coming down hard. And uh, the guy told me who I met, he said, oh, yeah, this is only the second one we had. We have one on Sukkot for 10 minutes. Give me the whole layout as we're standing in the rain. I said, I, I, I get it. rain fine. I know what it is. It's... I'm trying to walk quickly, and of course you get to the place where the taxis are waiting down there, and um, most of them are uh, not of the Yiddish persuasion for some odd reason. And if you remember my schmooze Tishabov four years ago when I didn't make it back, you remember that schmooze with my uh, 
recorded conversation for the Mossad in case it was necessary. Baruch Hashem, it wasn't. Um, you don't have to go listen to it because uh, I actually had an Arab tell me since then, tell somebody else who told me was listening to the Shir, that uh, it's filled with all sorts of um, choice words and the like, which I knew. I was just scared sitting there as he's screaming and yelling and kept saying Yahoo at every four words. I don't know what Yahoo has anything to do with anything. He was obviously having a fight with his friend, but um, that's a different schmooze, and we had the schmooze, and it's recorded. So I come down there, and I'm getting drenched, and um, there's a taxi waiting there, and I, well, just down his window, I said, how much is it to... Uh, Choshmulanavi. So he smiles without missing a beat. Then he finishes the sentence. He says, 80 shekel. 80 shekel. That's only double. That's not one sixth. He obviously didn't learn Bab Metsiya Hilchosana. And uh, that's uh, more than slightly above one sixth. So I said, I should have recorded this conversation because he said it with such ease and such a straight face that he would have failed the lie detector test. So I said, 80 shekel. Don't you think there's a bit, bit much? So he points to the guy in front of him. He says, if you go to him, it'll be 100. Which was probably true. <laughs> so, uh, so I had a choice to make. You know, nobody likes to, it's very annoying to pay double for something you know that the outer, the high, the high price is already 40, and nobody likes to be uh, uh, made the fool. But I was getting drenched, so how much is it to come? My hat was more expensive than the 40 shekel differential, let's put it that way. Uh, so I made a quick decision. I looked at him, and he knew that I knew. He probably looked at my hat. And that he could have asked for 140 shekels, I probably would have gotten in. And I didn't enjoy getting in the first place, because then I got to hope and pray he doesn't make a wrong turn somewhere. Uh, but I got in, and I paid him the 80 shekel. And you can do one of two things at this point. You can either grumble all the way and tell him what a ganaf he is, what an ice fluff he is, and if this is what he does to customers in the taxi, they're probably trying to steal their Israel also and get into a whole brawl. Or you can mind your own business and start returning calls and answer shaylas and smile. I chose the latter because it's safer and it's much better for everybody's blood pressure. Um, but there's an example. Now, he would taina. The reason I'm talking about this here is he would taina. What do you mean? What's the price for a taxi fare? When it's pouring, you really need a taxi. Isn't the price 80 shekels? I gave him a good deal. He probably had seller's remorse. He probably, on the way home after he dropped me off, should have charged me 120. What is the price? No, what is the price? And the price is 40 shekel, not 80. The fact that temporarily over here, I'm not talking, talking about the price of a cup of water in the desert. That's 80, not 40. But if the standard price is 40 and it happens to be raining, you can't charge 80. Even though you know the guy's probably going to want to get out of the rain. And for some reason he figured out I was American, which happened multiple times in Eitz Israel, and I finally realized it was my tie. It wasn't the kapota, the other people walking around with kapota. It was my tie. Okay. So it was raining, wearing a tie. That's at least 80 shekel. And he probably regretted that. That's on all. You can't take advantage of the situation, even though most people's situation might pay it because they're getting drenched. What? Uh, he's probably chai misa for this. If he steals, he's chai misa. It's one of the Zion mitzvahs. So I didn't have my sword on me, so I didn't do that after I got out of the taxi. But, uh, but yeah, that was a real no-no. He should not have done that. But he didn't learn this pelayets, and I hope he's listening afterwards. Actually, I hope he's not. But we'll uh, take it up next week. He's more in the desert. That's the standard price all the time. I'm not taking advantage of one guy coming. He says, if you didn't take your canteen, this is what we charge. The same thing as highway robbery on the highway. Why are they charging $5 for a bottle of water? The answer is, this is what they charge on the highway. That's not enough.